Matthew chapter 7, verse number 6, and we'll read this responsibly. I'll read the even verses, you'll read the odd verses, and we'll end there at verse number 11. Matthew chapter 7, 6 through 11. Let's begin. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom of his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? And let's pray. God, we do thank you so much. Lord, you are our Heavenly Father. You know every need that we have and are going to have. And Lord, you are just waiting for us to ask. And I ask you, please just bless um, the message tonight, Lord. Let it not just be words, and Lord, that we we hear and it goes in one ear and out the other. But Lord, help our hearts to be open. Um, Lord, help us to take a truth that, that is going to be preached tonight, Lord, and apply it to our lives. We thank you, Lord. We ask you to be with our pastor. And Lord, bless us special as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. May be seated. Matthew chapter 7. It's an amazing chapter, these verses that we read. I believe in prayer. God has answered a lot of prayer from Grace Baptist Church. Uh, I can't emphasize how important prayer is to the Christian, but let me be quite honest with you. Prayer may be, in my opinion, one of the hardest things for Christians to do. It's one of the hardest things in the Christian life to do on a regular basis and and feel like you're doing it right. Uh, Newer Christians, people that are newer to prayer, you kind of feel silly walking around talking to somebody that's not there. Am am I just talking down where we live right now? It seems kind of, why would I talk to somebody when I can't see them? It just doesn't make sense in our head. Uh, but prayer requires a humility. That's what makes it hard because we're so full of pride. God has made it so that we can pray and ask him for the things that we need and want. I want you to look at Matthew 7 again, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh shall be opened. And then down in verse uh, 11, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, Christmas time, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Uh, God even tells us that he'll answer us. Not only can we ask him, but he is going to answer us. Now, Here's where the rub comes. But it does not mean God has obligated himself to obey us. God has never obligated himself to obey us. God's never obligated himself to do what we say. God never said he would answer the way we want. We have the right to ask. 
but we have no business telling him how he has to answer us. You know, I fear that many Christians get this mindset that God is a genie in the bottle and we rub the bottle, the genie pops out, we ask him what we want and shazam, here it is, and go back to the bottle and enjoy till you need the genie again. That's not how prayer works. That's our average concept of it, but that's not how it works. Too many times we pray and we not only tell God what we want, but we tell God how he has to answer us. God, this is what I need, and this is when I need it, and this is how you're going to do it. Have you ever caught yourself praying that way? You see, we tell him how he's got to answer us for us to be satisfied. Now, I hate to tell you something. That's not right. You know, we're not supposed to... (coughs) What do you want for Christmas? I think it's dangerous... When we let people tell us exactly what they want, the make, the model, the color, everything else. And if it's not this way, then I'm not satisfied. Can I tell you something? I've gotten many things in life that I wouldn't have chosen, but I'm glad I got them. Found out later, I'm glad I got it than what I would have chosen. Everybody understand that? You see, (laughs) first of all, it's rude for us to ask the giver exactly what we want. <laughs> I've had a lot of people when we were building this building. I had wealthy people. I had two billionaires, not M, B. Pastor, what do you need? Well, you go to God, and whatever God puts on your heart, you can do, but I'm not telling you what I need. I tell God what I need. I had one of them say, but pastor, I could, I could give you whatever you need and I could pay for the whole thing. I said, you do what God wants you to do. I'm not telling you what I need. I only tell God. I said, because if I tell you then I'm not relying on God, I'm relying on you. And I like you as a person, but you'd make a lousy God. He said, all right, I understand that. By the way. God used him to help our church an awful lot. (laughs) To the tune of $165,000 total. Praise the Lord for that, but I couldn't have asked for that. Say why? I wouldn't even know what to ask. I don't tell somebody what I need. That very person, one one of the times he gave money, gave a $100,000 gift to this church. He said, I want to wire some money into your account. Okay, here's, I'll have my secretary email it to you. I told God, I said, God, I need 10000 but whatever you give over and above that sure would be helpful. Three days later, I went to the bank and they said, I said, there should be some money there. They said, yes. They said, uh, I said, can you tell me how much it is? You don't know? I said, well, look, somebody's going to give me money. I was taught it was rude to ask them how much they're going to give. Then she told me it was $100,000 and they had to pick me up off the floor. Wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe we just ought to let the giver give. Now, let me show you what I mean. Let me illustrate and then I'll get to the sermon. I don't think Noah 
thought that building an ark for 120 years was the answer that he had in mind to get rid of a wicked society. I don't think Abraham thought having a baby at 100 years old was the answer to being a father of a chosen nation. That's not the way he would have chosen it, I'm sure. (laughs) I don't think Moses having to go back to Egypt after having killed someone there, being a wanted murderer, was his choice of being the deliverer of God's people. How'd you like to face that? I don't think Joshua marching around Jericho 13 times waiting for God to do something was his choice of how to enter into the Canaan land. What do you mean we're going to march around the city 13 times? One each day for six days and seven times on the seventh day. You mean we're going to march around the city and you're just going to kill them all? Right. Well, God did. I don't think David running for his life from Saul for 20 years or so and many death threats and attempts was what he saw of becoming king of Israel. I don't think Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego going into the finery furnace is what they had in mind for God to deliver them. I don't think a night in the lion's motel was Daniel's idea of a good night's sleep. I don't think the Apostle Paul being shipwrecked, stoned, left for dead several times, put in jail more times than we can count, was his way of thinking of getting the gospel out around the world. Now, in none of these situations do I think that the person involved saw God answering the way they thought he would answer. In every situation, God answered these people's requests (laughs) contrary to the way they probably thought. By the way, none of them except Abraham tried to do it their own way. Abraham tried it his way, fathered a child from an Egyptian maid, and now we still have troubles with the Muslim race of people. Because Abraham got ahead of God. Trouble we have in Palestine tonight is due to Abraham's disobedience and trying to get ahead of God and answer for God. Did you hear about the Turkish president complaining about the Israelis and telling everybody on world television that God was going to strike Netanyahu dead and he fell over with a heart attack? (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. God said, watch this, (laughs) y'all. Now, tonight, I want to teach you how to ask God for what you need and for what you want without telling him how he has to answer you. Number one, ask God for what you want and for what you need, but ask him to make sure he does what's best. Everybody look at me for just a second here. I think we need to realize God knows best, better than we do, better than we do. Matthew chapter six, verse number eight says, 
Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. There's been many a times I said, God, this is what I think we need. But if you think we need something else, I'll take what you got. I'm not going to complain about it. God, if this is what you want, it's all right. I was out hunting this last week with my black powder. And I didn't have a whole lot of time. I said, Lord, sure would be good to have an opportunity. Well, sure enough, as soon as the first light came on, about 15, 20 minutes in, here come big old fat doe walking out behind me. I thought, hot diggity dog, God answered my prayer. Pulled my gun up, kapow! She ran about 60 yards and stopped. I missed her. What'd you do? Grabbed my bag, pulled out two Pyrodex tabs, Got a bullet put in there, got my thing, pushed it down, got my ramrod, popped that thing out, put a percussion cap in. That old dumb doe still standing there. I pulled up again. She moved into a clear. Kapow! Smoke blew. I saw her running. Well, 60, 70 yards. I don't miss. First time, okay, maybe I just hit a limb. It was a little patchy, but I should have hit her. But second time, something's not right here. So at lunchtime, I took my gun down. And at 13 yards, I was four inches left. At 70 yards, I was about five feet left. Took another couple. I adjusted my scope. Took another shot. Still had another inch to go. And... I went back out Friday evening, sat down in my stand and said, Lord, now that I got things right, would you answer? I'm not kidding. I was sitting there and all of a sudden I looked up. I decided I was going to stand up, stood up, and I saw two bodies coming through the woods. I said, thank you, Jesus. They come walking through, and this big old nanny doe, she comes walking up to me, and she's got her head picked up, and she's doing the, the bob and weave look, you know. I said, Lord, too thick there. I can see her, but I can't shoot her. She's going to have to take half a dozen steps. She takes three steps and stops. And she's doing this, and she got a little one back behind her. And at one time, she takes her own foot, and I thought, oh, no, she's going to bust on me. I said, Lord, three more steps, that's all. I was as still as I could be, Brother Jim. She's dead on me, straight ahead. I put that old crosshair right between her neck and her shoulder, and I squeezed off, and Jesus answered my prayer, amen? Man, she went, uh, about, crashed about 20, 30 yards away. I got down out of the tree. I knew she was dead. Got my stuff down, walked out, walked over to where she was, and she was huge. I said, I'm out in the middle of the woods. I said, well, glory, thank you, Jesus. Then I grabbed into her. I said, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. <laughs> Finally got her out into the trail, and I got to realize I can't drive to where she's at. 
And where I was hunting, it's about between two-thirds and three-quarters of a mile to my, my truck. And the last quarter mile is up like this. Matter of fact, my phone said I climbed 15 flights of stairs. And I didn't go up one step, if that tells you anything. So it's like this. So I skin and quarter her out in the field, put her in my backpack, got 120-some pounds of meat hanging on my back, and then I got to carry my gun, the possible's bag, and got all my hunting gear on. And it's like, okay, here we go. I start trudging out of the woods. It's dark. Say, what was you doing? I was praising God. I got to the bottom of that hill and said, oh, God, why did I pull the trigger? <laughs> God said, I gave you your request and sent leanness to your soul. Amen. <laughs> I got her to the truck, got her home. Amen. She's in the cooler getting ready to get butchered. Now, wait a minute. God answered the prayer, but I had to put the work in to make it happen. Now, listen to me for just a second. God knows what you need before you ask him. God wants to give us his best, not just satisfactory. We have to realize that he sees better than we see. He sees farther than we see. And God's not the sinner, we are. Uh, God's not limited, we are. Turn to 1 John chapter 5 for a moment. 1 John chapter 5. I want you to look at two verses with me. Look at verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now, what is his will? The word of God. As long as we ask according to the word of God, we know that God is going to hear us. Anything outside the word of God, we're not guaranteed. I'm going to make a statement here. That's why I think it's almost vain repetition for us to pray for somebody that's lost to get saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants them saved more than you do. What we ought to pray is that the Holy Spirit would fill us enough that that person would listen to us, and we get off our blessed do-nothing and go give them the gospel. Or we ask God to send somebody with the gospel that they'll listen to, and maybe that they might get saved, but God wants them saved more than you do. Don't bother God. He gave everything he had so they could get saved. I'm not being uh, trite here. I think we sometimes put everything on God, and if they don't get saved, we get mad at God when we never even gave them the gospel. And the responsibility is on the hearer of the gospel, not the one who paid the price. Everybody doing okay? So that means this. That even Jesus said, Lord, not my will, but thine be done, when he was in Gethsemane. People say, oh, he really didn't want to die. That's not true. When Jesus said that, he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating blood. 
Doctors will tell you that that is a real condition. The only time that takes place is under extreme stress, life-threatening situations. And he, he, Jesus literally saw the blood pouring from his pores of his skin. And he said, Lord, I don't want to die here. I got to make it to Calvary. But if you let me die here, it's your will, not mine then. He wasn't saying, I don't want to die. He said, I don't want to die here. I came to pay the price at Calvary, not die, and Gethsemane. But Lord, if that's what you want, I'll do it. Jesus wasn't afraid to die. That's why he came. Now, I can't tell you that he was ready to throw a party, but he knew he was going home. So, we have to realize, okay, when we started Grace Baptist Church, I'll be honest with you, I struggled with it for a while. My wife was really struggling with it. Say, why? She didn't know she, she didn't know she could be a pastor's wife. I said, honey, you've been an assistant pastor's wife for 25 years. Yeah, but it's different. I said, what's different about it? I said, it's just the next step. Here we go. And when God spoke to her one Sunday, I was preaching in New Jersey. She was uh, at the church we were attending at the time. I had preached about three times that morning, getting ready to eat lunch with the pastor. And uh, honestly... (laughs) The pastor pulls out a letter and says, I have in my, we had talked for a little while. He said, I have here uh, everything that, he said, I was getting ready to offer you a job to be an assistant pastor here. My board's already approved your salary, got housing for you ready. He said, but I think God wants you to start a church. (laughs) No, he doesn't. Number one, I didn't want to move to Jersey. But I've never told God no, amen. It's not a good idea. But I really didn't want to start a church. 45-year-old men aren't supposed to go start a church. That's a young man's sport, amen? My wife called me. She said, honey, I was at church this morning. Preacher didn't preach on this, but the Lord convicted my heart, went to the altar, and if God wants you to start a church, let's do it. That all happened within 20 minutes. I said, well, let me tell you what just happened. She said, okay, when are you starting the church? I said, I got to go preach, but we'll start it next Sunday. Let me go preach. That was the hardest sermon in the world to preach in my life. My mind was not there. It's not there most of the time, but it was even farther away that day. Oh, my soul, I got back to my room that night, and I called her, and we talked and cried, and I scared death. The next Sunday, Grace Baptist Church started. Say, why'd you start it so fast? Because if I didn't, I was going to tell God I chickened out. It was put up or shut up, and if I didn't put up, I was going to run out. Do you think we knew what God was going to do? No. Do you think I would have picked the path that we we chose? (laughs) No. But look where we're at. Look what God's doing. You see, sometimes we just need to pray and say, okay, God, I'll do this. You just keep on answering. I'll keep on obeying. Number two, we need to abide close to him 
whether he gives us what we ask for or not. Turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. This is such an important part here. John chapter 15, look at verse number 7. I believe we read this verse this morning. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Look down to verse number uh, 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. But I want you to notice something. The prerequisite of that is abiding in Christ. Let me ask you a question. If you ask God for something and he says no, will you still be close to him? see, God wants to know that he can tell you no before he starts telling you yes. Because there are those who will only get close to him to get money from him. To get things from him. You see, we don't need to be close to God only so that we can get something from him and then leave him and go do something else. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. This is an interesting verse. Look at verse number two. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war. You have not because you ask not. You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. God says you don't have it because you won't abide in me because the only reason you're asking me is because you have desires for things that you can't meet yourself. You're asking for your own lust, your own desires. That word lust doesn't mean necessarily a, a sensual thing. It means strong desires. There are some people that lust things. Not necessarily sinful things. They just can't keep any money because if they get money, they got to spend it. Right. Yes, sir. Are we doing okay? Say why? Because I got it. I got to spend it. No. God says you ought to keep some of it. Save it for a rainy day when things get tough. You see, we only get close to God sometimes just to get money from him. Dr. Russell Anderson was my dear friend. I loved Dr. Anderson. Doc and I were buddies. I mean that. He was a little irritated with me for a while because we started the church and I wouldn't have him. And I said, well, Doc, I don't even have a church building. He said, I don't care. He said, you got cornbread? I can eat. So I invited him. He came and he said, Brother Bush, I want to help your church. I said, Doc, I'm going to tell you how you can help my church. Keep your money. I don't want you to give to my church. And he looked at me. I said, I don't want you to give to my church. I want you to give you to my church, not your money. I said, I'll have you every year. I want you to come here and help my people. I want you to love my people. I want you to be my friend. And I want you to know that my friendship is not hinged on what you give me or our ministry. By the way, to his dying day, he kept his word. And I kept mine. I didn't want his money. He looked at me the last time he was with us. We threw a couple birthday parties for him. 
His sister called me. She said, Pastor Bush, she said, you don't know me, but I'm Russell's sister. She said, you've made him so happy. She said, that makes me happy. She said, you know Russell's wealthy. I said, I do. I said, but I don't love Brother Anderson because of his money. I love Brother Anderson. She said, he knows that. She said, you know, you're only one of the few preachers in, in the world that love Russell because he's Russell, not because of his money. She said, I just want you to know I appreciate you taking care of my brother. I said, you ought to see what we have planned for next year's party. She laughed. We talked about it. Now, wait a minute. I love Dr. Anderson, but I wouldn't let him give to our church. I'd take him to the airport after he'd preached for us. One night, he preached three whole sermons. <laughs> Two hours and 40 minutes of preaching. Y'all think, I preach long. He got to the end of the second one and said, I got one more. Is it okay? What are you going to tell him? <laughs> now, wait a minute. I got to the airport that day, and he reached in his wallet, and he pulled out two $100 bills. He said, I want you to give these to your wife. He said, I said, Doc, I, he said, I didn't ask you. I told you. He said, this isn't for you. This is for your wife. She puts up with a lot. She puts up with you. He said, I want her to have something, and you just give these to her from, from Dr. Anderson. You tell her Dr. Anderson loves her. I said, I'll do that, Doc. That's about all I would ever take from him. And he had to fight me over that a little bit. We were getting ready to build this. We were in the process of buying this building and or building it and stuff. I remember we were on Edward Miller Boulevard, Route 11, getting ready to go to Aiken Center. God help us. And he said, Brother Bush, he said, you preachers are a little bit crazy. He said, isn't it a shame? It's just you and God. And then a little while he said, y'all are different. Isn't it a shame? It's just you and God. Third time he said it, I said, okay, he, he, he's fishing for something. I'm going to bite or I'm going to set the hook one or the other. I said, Doc, I said, I'd rather have God than anything. He said, that's what I'm getting at. He said, you know, you know, you and he named two other preachers, actually three, two are missionaries, one's a pastor. He said, you know, you're the only four men I know that are still alive to where you'd rather have God than my money. He said, I want to get close to you. He said, you have something I want. He said, anybody that can rely on God the way you do, he said, I need that. Wow. Now, I love Dr. Anderson, but I didn't love him for his money. I wasn't close to him for his money. I love God whether he get. Listen, and I mean this. <laughs> I don't want God's blessing to stop on Grace Baptist Church. But if God quit blessing this preacher, he's blessed me far more than I've ever deserved. You see, we don't need to make our love conditional to God based on what he gives us. We don't. You see, he saved us from hell. My name's written in heaven. 
I never have to suffer the judgment of my sin. And if I got no more than that, I've gotten far more than I deserve. God's used this nobody of a Baptist preacher for 43 years. <laughs> Honey, we had no idea when we were in college what God was going to do. I remember the day I proposed to her. I said, honey, I have no idea where we're going, what we're going to do, but we're going to do God's will. I've drugged that little lady all over this country. But we've seen God use us. There's pastors, missionaries, men of God, their wives, Christian school teachers all over the world that God's used us to influence. God's got us on radio all around the world. How in the world does a little nobody do that? I didn't ask for it. God knows I didn't ask for it. Matter of fact, I didn't want to ask God for it. Brother Fugit's fault. But can I tell you something? To be used of God is great. I got a pastor friend out in Texas who started a church in his house. He t texted me this this afternoon, I helped him about a year and a half ago. He said, Preacher, we had to set out extra chairs. He said, The house got so hot we had to open up the windows and it was only 40 degrees outside. He said, But we had so many people crammed inside. He said, We were supposed to have a baptism today and the water heater didn't get turned on. He said, I turned it on. He said, It's it was about 45 degrees outside and the water was about 70, but they got baptized anyway. He said, devil tried to stop us, but we just told him we're doing it anyway. I said, yeah, you learned to dip them quick. Amen. Uh, I said, I said, you just got to keep going. I said, I'm so proud of you. He's fought a battle to get that church started in his house, but he's doing it. I couldn't be more proud of him. Next. We have no no right to demand God ask no no right to demand God to answer us a certain way. <laughs> I'm going to make a statement here. Please don't uh, mistake this statement. But quit playing God to God. Quit telling God what God has to do. Well, God, I'll do this if you do this. Oh no, God's not in the deal making business. You think I'm going to walk up to Dr. Anderson and say, Doc, I'll do this if you do this? <laughs> That's a good way to get your head knocked off. Can I tell you something? When you learn to get to God and say, God, this is what I see, but would you surprise me? Just do what you think. The day I told God that I needed $10,000, then I said, but God, whatever you want to give over and above that, I'll take it because we can use it. And then I went to the bank and it was $100,000. God was teaching this man of God, let God take care of the numbers. You just pray and ask for what you need. Let him take care of the rest. I don't understand God's economy totally, but I do know this. He understands it better than I do. God may see much bigger things than you can even conceive in your head. 
my wife will tell you, many, many a day we drive home to this property and I'll look at her and say, do you ever think this would be possible? Nope. Do you ever think God would do what he's doing? Honestly, we both look at each other and say, hmm. That's why I don't tell people what I need. I tell God. I'd rather tell God, I, I got to tell the story. Somebody called and said, I'm, I, I told God we needed. <laughs> Somebody called and said, look, if you give $30,000, I'll match it with an extra thirty and give you $60,000. we will turn thirty into ninety. But I promised this church I wasn't going to raise money. I was all excited. God will give us 60000 if I can find $30,000 somehow. It's December. And I promised my church I wouldn't ask him for money. I got on my knees in my office and said, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. But I'm not going to break my word to my people and I'm not going to raise money. But if you want us to have that 60, you're going to have to help me figure this out. That lady sitting right there can tell you the phone rang 10 minutes later. 10 minutes. Guy called, and she patched him through, and he said, Pastor, I've been walking with God this morning. God touched my heart. I got a $30,000 check. I need to know which address to send it to. I said, can I put you on hold for a moment? Well, glory. He said, what you talk? And I told him what just happened. He said, God just touched my heart 10, 15 minutes ago. I said, good. God turned 60 into 90. And I didn't have to raise a penny. I guess God can do it, can he? I guess God knows what he's doing, doesn't he? I guess God can do things that you can't even begin to imagine. One year ago, I didn't tell my wife, I didn't tell anybody. A couple weeks into it, I asked my secretary to keep track of something for me. I asked God for two things. I asked God to supernaturally provide with outside giving of this church enough to pay my salary. I asked God to add enough families to our church to pay his salary. The last time I checked, we're somewhere in the neighborhood of about 140% of my salary was given outside, outside giving from this church. We've had enough families this year to take care of Brother Anthony's salary and bring Mrs. Barnes on full time. I guess God can do it, can he? Say, did you need that, preacher? No, we were okay, but I wanted to live by faith. I wanted to stay needy to God. There's a sweet little widow who's had some heartaches in the last several years. 
But in the last couple of years, she's written two or three $10,000 checks to this church. And she doesn't even attend regular. I guess God can use a little widow, can't he? Huh. I was talking to our neighbor yesterday. I, all three of the neighbors I went to this week, yeah, actually yesterday, dropped off one of our calendars for them and thanked them for being our neighbor and just tried to wish them a Merry Christmas. One of our neighbors is having some health struggles. His brother-in-law died in New Jersey this last week, and they were leaving for the funeral just in 20 minutes from the time I was there. I said, hang on. I left and came back, got several of the death booklets, and took them back over to him. And he looked at me, and he said, Pastor, would you pray for us? He needs both hips replaced. The circulation in his legs is, is horrible because his hips are so bad that it's pressing on all the arteries and, nerve, and uh, veins in his legs. I prayed for him. He said, you know, you and your church mean an awful lot to us even though we don't get to go there very often. He said, every time we're there and every time somebody from your church comes here, we always feel better. I said, well, we're just trying to be good neighbors. He said, I'm so thankful we're here. I said, I'm thankful you're here too. Isn't that what it's all about? Yes. I wonder. I wonder how many people would have died and gone to hell if my wife and I would have done what we wanted and not what God wanted. Have you ever thought of that? I had somebody willing to offer me a job, take care of my housing, work as an assistant pastor. I wouldn't have had to make all the decisions. But I wonder how many people in this room would have died and gone to hell or uh, your families. How many of you would not have been reached and not know the things that you know now? Hey, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I, I didn't give up anything. Man, I'm having time in my life. I told somebody the other day, they said, you're getting close to retirement age, aren't you? I said, I don't plan on retiring. I plan on retreading. Uh, Jeremiah 33, 3, still in the book, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. I said, God, there's a lot I don't know. Keep on a giving. But even if you don't, I'm going to keep on obeying. God wants us to abide in him whether he gives it to us or not. But as you build that relationship, as we talked about this morning, you'll find that as he gives, it's a whole lot sweeter. You know, we don't need to get upset with God when God doesn't answer the prayer the way we want. Maybe we ought to go back and look at our relationship instead of the prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How about we learn to ask God? Instead of tell God. How about we learn to ask God for what God wants and not just tell him what we want. Maybe we would find a whole lot better in life looking at it from his point of view.